There's a word from the Lord this morning as we continue with our year-long theme, Restore, Support, and Strengthen, man. And as we said to you on last Sunday, part of ushering in a season of restoration is walking by faith and living by faith. I'm convinced that faith is perhaps uh, one of, if not the main ingredient that is necessary for us to usher in a season of restoration, season of renewed strength, is how is your faith? And on last week, we said to you for the month of March, we would focus on faith. In fact, up until Resurrection Sunday, we are going to focus on faith. Amen. Faith as it relates to our relationship with God, as it relates to us uh, being prepared for a season of restoration in our lives. Today's text is found in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4 and verses 25 to verse 26, a very familiar passage of Old Testament scripture, iconic verse. And yes, if it seems as if Pastor Jackson preaches from this every year, unapologetically, absolutely, yes. And I try sometimes if God permits more than once a year, because there are, I told you I was a creature of what I call good reputation, good red patternness. Uh, because the more you hear something, the more it sticks with you. We are often learning how, even as a child, how do you learn how to spell by repeating the words over and over again? How do you learn how to live by faith by hearing God's word over and over and over again. Second Kings chapter 4 is one of those texts that you need embedded within your spiritual DNA, within who you are. Listen to the words of the text beginning at verse 25. And it says, And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off, the New King James says, that, she, that he said to his servant Jehazel, look, the Shunammite woman. Verse 26, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And we ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you from the subject, a declaration of faith, a declaration of faith. On last week, we shared a message entitled, A Risk of Faith. In that message on Last week, it was stated that sometimes in life we must be willing to take a risk of faith in order to get the blessings we so desire. Listen to this, particularly in times of crisis. Sometimes you have to be willing to leave the house, to leap out on faith, to go beyond your comfort zone in order to get what God has for you. 
It was also said in last week's message that we must also be prepared to press our way through obstacles that are at times standing between us and our blessings. Just because you take a risk of faith, just because you take a leap of faith, does not mean that your journey will be without obstacles, will be without pitfalls or struggles. But in order to get to where God wants us to be, hmm, we have to be willing to press our way through the obstacles, around the obstacles, and yes, sometimes over the obstacles to get what God has for us. I preached a message many years ago called Your Blessing is on the Other Side of This. Whatever this is, sometimes your blessing is on the other side of what you have to go through. That was last week. That was the first message in the month of March dealing with faith, a risk of faith. And now, this week, our assignment is the same as it relates to faith. However, we would like to discuss faith from yet another perspective. From the perspective of what we are willing to declare. Listen to this. What are you willing to declare about a difficult and sometimes personal situation? God says, faith is not only taking a risk. Faith sometimes is what are you willing to say or to proclaim or to declare about your situation. Uh, before it turns around, in the midst of its difficult, personal, difficult situation, what are you willing to declare about it? Listen to what the book of Job says in Job chapter 22 and verse 28. It says, and I love this verse, and to the members of Bible where you've heard this verse quoted so many times, particularly on Tuesday nights. Uh, Job, in the midst of his struggle, uh, in the midst of everything that was going on in his life, lost his family, lost his wealth, lost his health. Uh, he lost the confidence of his wife. But yet, in the middle of those 42 chapters, we find this verse in chapter 22 and verse 28, in which he says, and I quote, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. In other words, Job <laughs> realized that although I'm broke and struggling and hurt, ooh, those words aren't coming out of my mouth. I'm going to declare what I believe I am to be, even if the proof isn't there right now. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. And then Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. This is uh, an iconic scripture for those of us who are believers and faith walkers. To those of you who perhaps are not Bible students, you have not heard this. You've heard the expression, but perhaps you've not been able to identify the verse. Here's the verse. Write it down. Take a picture of it so that you can have it in your life. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. <laughs> it is so clear. Death and like sometimes your destruction or your elevation, uh, they're in the power of the words 
that comes out of your mouth. Ah, oftentimes we are our own worst enemies. It's one thing for other people to dog you out. It's another thing when you dog yourself out. It's another thing when you talk bad about your own self. You say negative things about your own situation. Ah, uh, you let the haters hate on you. Uh, let the naysayers talk all kind of things about you. But out of your mouth, let life, let I shall live and not die. I, I am wonderfully created and made by God. I am the head and not the tail. Deuteronomy 28 is an example. I am blessed going in and coming out. All these blessings shall follow me and overtake me. In other words, you speak life over your own situation in your own situation. Don't you participate in your own destruction. Don't you let your feelings, your emotions allow you to contribute to your own downfall. And yes, pastor, I don't know. I got to be real. I just got to tell it like it is. Yes, that's true. But faith is speaking when the evidence is otherwise. Faith is believing. Listen to the, the simple definition of faith in Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is believing and having hope and declaring it. Whew. Even when you don't sit, even Jesus understood the importance of powerful words. He says, and I'll quote, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it shall be done. Now we know he wasn't talking literal of a mountain, but he was talking about the mountain of things that you go through. He says, say to it, be thou removed. Even Jesus said to Satan, get behind me. Satan, you got to declare it. You've got to say it, not embrace your destruction. Hey man, don't you become a willing partner to the adversary whose goal is to destroy and kill you and your family. And, and, and I tell the devil all the time, if you're going to do it, you'll do it without my help. And if you're going to do it, you got to do it, come through me to get it. I refuse to participate in the destruction of myself and my own family. I don't care what your kids are going through, don't declare it. I, I don't care what is going on in your house. Do not declare it. Amen. Well, other folk are talking about it. That's their business. It's not their house. And it's not their family. But when you walk by your child, mighty man of God, when you walk by your daughter, anointed woman of God, you look at your teenager and say, look what God is doing and what God's they may think you have lost your mind but you've got scripture to back you up amen death and life are in the power of the tongue so listen to this this is this is the verse this is the verse we sent out as a teaser by the way if you don't get those emails in text write us at the church because every week we sent out a preview of what the sermon is going to be. This is what we sent out, I think, Friday or Saturday. Sometimes whew, our deliverance is tied to our faith to emphatically declare what we believe. In other words, if you want to know how you're going to be delivered, oftentimes, sometimes, our deliverance is a direct correlation to what we emphatically believe. Our faith and what we declare about what we believe. This is what we are calling this morning a declaration of faith. It's one thing to say you believe it, but it is another thing to declare it. <laughs> it's another thing to put it out there. 
It's one thing to say, oh, I, I believe that God's going to turn it around. But it's, it is another thing to declare it emphatically and passionately that I serve the God of a turnaround. Ooh, I serve a God who can give you everything you need and even above that. I serve a God who can open the floodgates of heaven. There's nothing too hard for my God. And God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or think. Just get those scriptures and begin to quote them, begin to say them, begin to put it in the atmosphere, speak in the atmosphere, begin to say God is turning it around. Not he will turn it around, uh, but God is turning it around. Sometimes you got to speak as if it is already happening right now. Declare a thing and it shall be established to you. Listen, in our text, we have in this text what is perhaps one of the greatest examples in the Bible of a true declaration of faith. For the next few moments, let us examine what occurs in the text, what happens in the text, and let us examine the lessons that we can learn from this extraordinary text. Today's text involves an inspiring story of yet another woman whose name we do not know. I said to you on last week, for throughout this month of March, which is Women's History Month, Women's Ministry Month at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, we're going to share women of faith with you. And ironically enough, all of the women of faith that we're talking about are unnamed women. <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're not iconic because of their reputation and their names. And so in this text, we have an inspiring story of a woman who is simply known from where she is from. Hmm. Ah, I've got the preachers. Last week, the woman was known because of what she was going through. This week's woman is known from the neighborhood she is from. Does it sound familiar to somebody? Some people don't even know your name, but they know where you're from. They know you are from the other side of the track. Some people don't even know who you are, but they know what you're going through. They know you've got an addiction problem. They know you've got issues, uh, family issues. Such is the case again of this incredible woman, simply known in biblical scholarship as a Shunammite woman. One of the most remarkable women in the Bible, in my humble opinion. Uh, in fact, what I've discovered during this study is that most of the incredible women of God and even men of God sometimes are people who, but this was particularly the case for women. And I, I don't know why that is the case. Perhaps it has a lot to do with the chauvinistic tendencies of some of the biblical writers who didn't feel it was necessary to always identify who the women were. But, but some of the most incredible women of the Bible were women whose names we did not know. The woman with the issue of blood, the Shunammite woman, the woman at the well of Samaria, and on and on. And next week, we're going to talk about another one. But this one, she was a remarkable woman, not because she had the beauty of Queen Esther. We knew Esther's name. Esther was known for her glamour, for her beauty. Uh, this woman from Shunem was known not because she had the political status or position of Deborah the judge. She was remarkable and incredible not because she had the favor of Ruth, the wife of of Boaz. She was incredible 
in my opinion, because she had the faith to believe in God during a time of great personal crisis in her life. Uh, unlike Esther, she did not have to be pushed towards her destiny. Unlike Ruth, she didn't have to be led to an area that would eventually be an area where she would find the love of her life that would change the history of the people of Israel. This woman had the faith from the beginning. No one like Mordecai encouraged her to walk by faith. No one like Naomi led her to a place of destiny. Uh, she believed in God during a time of great personal crisis. She not only, listen to this, had the faith to believe what the Lord had promised her. Ooh, but this is the part that blessed me. I, I put this in a total different color in my notes because I wanted this to resonate with me. She also had the faith to declare what she believed. It's one thing to say, I believe God, but it's another thing to have the faith to declare in the midst of adversity what you believe. A whole lot of secret believers. You got a whole lot of closet believers. A whole lot of folk say, I, I believe, but I, I don't show it on my sleeves. I don't, I don't advocate it. Uh, uh, people really would never know uh, that, that I'm a faith walker. Now, I'm not saying that you should walk around with a big sign on your chest telling everybody you are a believer. But every now and then, the Redeemer of the Lord ought to say so. <laughs> every now and then, if you know the Lord is blessing you, if you know the Lord is keeping you, what are you worrying about? You ought to tell somebody that God has been good to me. Somebody, somewhere, ought to know that he's a waymaker God. <laughs> he's a healer. And he is a provider. Somebody ought to know that you've got this special relationship with God. Listen, not only did she have the faith to believe, but she also had the faith to declare what she believed. Listen to the story. Ooh, listen to this. The child that she had waited so long for uh, something happened. But but see, in order for you to get this, I just 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 allow me the homiletical privilege for a moment just to give you some backdrop. And I think to fully understand the Shunammites woman's testimony in verses 25 and 26, you've got to go back to verses 14 and 15 and 16. Because here's the story. Elijah the prophet would come to their town and he would minister in her town and she noticed that the man of God didn't really have any place to stay so she would invite him to eat at the house and later she said to her husband why don't we prepare a place in our house since we have all of these rooms and no children we can prepare a place for this man of God to live so she did she prepared a room upstairs may I preach this in her house for this man of God to live. And look at what happens next. And so the man of God, Elijah, and this is, I preach from this, I told you every year for I don't know how many years, but this sometimes escapes us because we sometimes erroneously think she begged or asked God for the son. She wanted the son, but she didn't ask for it. God knows the intent of her heart. Look at the text. Elijah said to his servant, Jehazel, he says, this woman is so faithful. She has no son and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her, verse 15, New King James Version. So he called her. I'm sorry, I'm reading out the, the NIV version. Uh, so he called her 
and she stood in the doorway. And about this time, this is what, this is what the man of God said. Called her. She's minding her own business. She didn't ask for this. He says, go get her. Servant goes to get her. She comes, standing in the doorway. The man of God begins to prophesy over her life. He says, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. Ooh. The text goes on to say, she said, no, my Lord. The text even said she objected. And she said these, please, man of God, don't mislead me. In other words, if it was today, it would go, don't play with me. Please, don't mislead. Don't you play with me. I didn't ask you for this. My husband is old. I'm old. We've already made up our mind. This is not going to happen. Don't you play with me. Don't you mislead me. But then verse 17 said, but the woman became pregnant. And next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just like the man of God had prophesied. And now, some years later, verse 18, let me preach this, says the child grew. Child is now older. And one day he went out to his father who was among the harvesters or the reapers. He said to his father, my head is hurting so bad. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. He did what every good father does when a child gets sick. Go see your mama. Carry him to his mother. After the servant lifted him up, carried him to his mother, the boy sit on her lap mm, until noon and then he dies. Ah, he dies with his head in his mother's lap. Mm. The child God gave her is now dead in her lap. This is what makes this so remarkable. How she responded to this horrible personal crisis should serve as an inspiration for all of us, particularly those of us who may be going through something in our own personal lives right now. Look at what she does. She had options. She could have shut the door and says, I'm a mourn for months and months. I can't get out of the bed. I can't leave the house. I'm hurt. I'm torn apart. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want anything to do with anyone. I'm angry at everybody, including God. But she responds differently. She chooses to respond differently. May I preach this? She takes her dead son in her arms. She takes him up to the prophet's room and she lays him on what in translation says the couch. Another one says on the prophet's bed. She closes the door. She summons her husband's servants and say, go get me a donkey and let's get ready to take a trip. I'm going to Mount Carmel to look for the man of God. Her own husband says to her, why are you going? This is not the season to go to Mount Carmel. This is not the time. We've got a designated time. We've got a designated season. This is not the time to go see the man of God. But when you've made up your mind whew, that I'm going to see the king, it doesn't matter who the naysayers are, even if they're in your own house. You've got to do what God has told you to do. I don't know what she said to her husband, but using my uh, spiritual imagination, I, I, I'm thinking she goes there to remind Elijah 
what the Lord had promised her, what the Lord said he would do for her. So she travels, takes her donkey, and she travels, and the text says, she says to her servants, don't slow down on my account. Go as fast as you can, and do not take under consideration I may be an old, feeble woman. Just go, no matter how long it takes. See, it takes a couple days to get to Mount Carmel from where she was. But she traveled and traveled. You can bet in the back of her mind the enemy is speaking to her saying, old oh, lady, you're wasting your time. What are you doing? This makes no sense. But when you've made up your mind that you've got to go in the presence of God and you've got to have a word from the Lord, it doesn't matter what anyone says to you. We're told in verses 25 and 26, look at this, that when the man of God, Elijah, sees her coming from a distance. <laughs> uh, he said to his trusted servant, Jehazel, he said to her, look, uh, that looks like the Shunammite woman. Uh, what is she doing here? Because nobody comes this long if something isn't wrong. Something's got to be wrong. <laughs> Because uh, uh, I see her traveling by herself. Something's got to be wrong. And so he doesn't even wait until she gets to him. May I preach this? But she, he sends his emissary. He sends uh, his servant. He sends uh, his armor bearer to meet her and says, go meet her. And when you get to her, I need you to ask her, and he doesn't leave it up to chance. I need you to ask her three specific questions. In other words, the man of God was specific because he didn't want Jehazel just to run up and say, what's up? He didn't want him to go and say, what are you doing here? But his instructions were very clear. When you get to her, I need you to ask her these three things. Is it well with you? Is everything all right with you? Is it well with your husband? Is everything all right with your husband? And then here's the one, here's the one. Is it well? And he doesn't even say with your child. He said with the child. Oh, good God Almighty, the child God gave you, the child I blessed into your life, the child that God made a way out of no way. Three questions. Jehazel, you asked this Shunammite woman, and Jehazel does, and her answer is absolutely iconic. Her answer is now on t-shirts and pocketbooks and bumper stickers. And her answer is now plastered on billboards. Her answer is now on people's social media page. Uh, she answers with these three words. It whew, is well. <laughs> Good God Almighty, perhaps she did not hear the question. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answers, I heard the question. But I just want to let you know that despite what is going on in my life, my heart is broke. My heart is heavy. My husband is confused. My child is dead. But it is well. See, these were not just idle words. These words served as a declaration 
of her faith can I preach to somebody every now and then you got to confuse the enemy and not say it the way it looks but say it the way you believe it will be it is well see I'm convinced that even if God hadn't raised her son it was still alright I feel like preaching this Mm, let me get to my three insights because I want to share something personal with you Uh, in, in this incredible dialogue that this woman who's known as a Shunammite woman has with the prophet's son it is well what is it that we can learn from this experience what are the insights that God wants us to apply to our lives right now my time is almost up but let me share these with you number one is this her faith please don't miss this and I'm pausing because I want to give you time to lift your head up and stop doing what you're doing and take a picture of this on the screen because each one of these things are so important number one is this her faith did not allow her sorrow to prohibit her from seeking what she desperately needed from the Lord she was heartbroken she was sorrowful but her faith push through the sorrow and say I've got to go get a word from the Lord (laughs) some of us have been through so much and people say why do you still come to church why do you still worship but your sorrow will not stand in the way of you desperately wanting to be in the presence of the Lord or needing something from the Lord so her faith pushed through her sorrow to make that journey to Mount Carmel just to see the man of God. What are you willing to go through to get to God? That's the question. What are you willing to go through to get to God? Second key insight in this remarkable testimony of this incredible woman of faith whose name we do not know is this her faith (laughs) would not take a picture of it listen because somebody's going to need this this week her faith would not allow her to stop believing in the miracle working power of God just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you stop believing that God is a heart fixer. Just because you're going through so much does not mean you stop believing that God will make a way somehow. Just because your body is racked with pain every morning does not mean you stop believing that God is a healer. The three young men known as the Hebrew boy said to the king, O king, we'll never bow down to your golden image. The God we serve is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we still believe that God is able. Is there anybody who still believes that God is a miracle worker? Listen, I've had so many disappointments in our life. God has not answered all of our prayers. We all have had to bury loved ones. Listen, I stood there, tears streaming down my face, September the 27th, 2006, when I got the call to come to the Baptist hospital because my dad had died. And all the way up there, the enemy said, do you still believe? Do you still trust God? All the prayer you've done, all the preaching you've done, all that he's done, if God was who he said he was, 
Why didn't he heal you dead? But I still believe. I still believe that God is a healer. And I still believe that God is a way maker. And contrary to what the enemy wants you to believe, that I pushed through my sorrow just to believe, God, I love you. God, I serve you. Somebody help me push through it right now. Come on and push through your sorrow. Come on and push through your troubles and push through your heartaches and push through whatever, whatever you're going through. And you've got to believe that God is still a miracle worker. And here's the third and the final one. And this one blessed me so much. And Rose, this is for you. Because I, I learned a new perspective about this verse. The third one says this. Her faith refused to allow her to speak words of negativity. Ooh. And this is the part that I want you to hear. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Experiencing her worst nightmare, she declared it is well. And Rose, the reason I brought your name up, because I remember that day at the Providence Hospital, which my big brother, my cousin, my mentor, your husband, Pastor Frank English, was approaching the end of his life. Lord, help me get through this. And so Frank calls me to his bedside. His heart, that by the way, the doctors told his mom he wouldn't even be a teenager. And now he's lived to be a full-grown man with a beautiful family and a beautiful life. And so he calls me to his side, and I begin to pray for a friend. And I begin to lean over and just begin to hug him. And he says, come here. And he whispered in my ear, all is well. And I left there with a new found respect for these words so much so that I preached his homegoing service from this text here's a man that know he's about to lose his life and his loving wife is right there by his side and he's about to walk away from his church family leave them and go on to be with the Lord and he could have said anything he I mean, he could have called me to his side and said, Daryl, please pray for me. Please tell the Lord, don't do this to me. But he whispered in my ear, all is well. It is well. And I said, Lord, that's speaking faith. That is a proclamation of faith in the midst of your worst nightmare. It would have been so easy to say that if God would have raised them from that bedside. But he knew that that was not part of God's will. Come on, praise to you. But he says, I want you to know something, Darrell. All is well. I refuse to allow words of negativity to come out of my mouth. That's what Frank was saying. The enemy gets no credit here. I've lived longer than anybody thought I would live. I've had a better life than anyone ever predicted I would have. And I've got the final words that I want you to say. And then he said to me, preach that at my funeral. All is well. And I said, I got it, Lord. Sometimes we've got to proclaim it. Although our heart is broken, sometimes we have to state it in the midst of everything we're going through. So my question to you as I close this message today is that will you have the faith to emphatically and passionately proclaim what you believe 
even if you don't see it. What happened to this woman's child? Elijah eventually goes to the house, closes the door, lays on the child, breathes and prays for the child. And the text simply says in the latter part of verse 35, and the child opened his eyes. But that's not the highlight of the text. Because that would have been a good place to put it as well. <laughs> Perhaps a woman should have saved those words to after the child got up. Ordinary people who are not faith walkers would have then said, now it is well. Woo but faith walkers say it before you see it. Says it before it happens. Woo. In this season of restoration, in this season of coming through COVID-19, in this season of a year-long shutdown, I've got three words for the enemy. It is well. I've lost an uncle and about five cousins. But I've got three words for the enemy. It is well. We've not had church for a year. I've not seen those I love so much and depend on so much for the energy to get through pastoring a ministry of this magnitude. But I've got three words for the enemy. It is well. Don't bring negativity to me. I refuse to allow the negative words to come out of our mouth. And so no matter what you're going through, you've got to declare like Frank did to me on his bed of transition. It is well. Listen to the songs written, this iconic hymn of the church. Horatio Sprayfoot writes, When peace, like a river, attended my way. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, that simply means whatever happens to me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Christian praise team, come and bless us with these words right now, wherever you are. Stop it. Lift those hands. Reverence God, if you can stand to your feet wherever you are in your living room, if you can't, then just put your hands over your heart. God is speaking to you when billows roll. Thank you, Kristen Singh. Whatever. Whatever, Lord, whatever thou, thou hast taught me to say, uh, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is
may not have gone the way you had hoped they would go in your life but I leave you with the words the quote that we sent out earlier this week or last week as it relates to this message sometimes our deliverance is tied to our faith to emphatically declare what we believe. Listen, Oprah Winfrey said this, and I quote, you don't get in life what you want. You get what you believe. (laughs) Sometimes our faith is tied. Our deliverance is tied to our faith to emphatically declare what we believe. You don't get in life what you want. You get what you believe. And I would add, and what you proclaim you believe. Say it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This woman could have said anything, 
But she said it was well, and I am convinced that even if God had never raised her child, it is still well. Some of you have had disappointments and hardships, but we can still declare and proclaim that it is well. The number there is a contact info on the screen. You need a relationship with God. See, having faith based on your relationship with God can help you through whatever your situation may be. Somehow she believed that God would do what he had promised. Somehow she told the man of God when she got there, I told you I didn't ask for this son. And I told you that don't play with me in essence. But the man of God said, God is not finished yet. Doing in this season of restoration. But I'm declaring, please don't miss this. We must declare before it's over that it's over. <laughs> we must declare before we come through it that we're coming through it. And we must declare before it's done that it is well. Close those eyes. Call those numbers. We're there to pray with you. Pray for you. If you need a relationship with God, if you're looking for a spiritual church home, you don't have to be in South Carolina. This is what I'm so happy about that this pandemic did bring. At least this pandemic tore down the walls that kept us so separate. And now because we all are virtual and is universal, we are together. We have church members in Los Angeles and in Brooklyn, New York. I intended to read a card that I received last week and I'll, I'll try to remember what it says. It was from someone from Brooklyn, New York. And they sent a card and says, thank you, Pastor Jackson and the Bible Way Church family. For over the past year, you all have fed me doing an incredible low point in my life. I thank God for the virtual gospel and service. And she enclosed a vision offering of $27. But God, see if it had not been for COVID, maybe we would not be connected. And so allow me to send a message to the enemy, to the adversary, what you thought would take us out or knock us down has not only not taken us out or knocked us down, it's taken us further and it's lifted us higher. Simply because God is so good all the time. Let us pray with you and for you. Close those eyes. Put your hands right here on your heart if you can, if you're in a position. Eternal Father, we thank you. We, we bless you, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful, incredible text. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for another unnamed woman who's only known by where she's from and her remarkable testimony and her incredible faith. Thank you, Lord, for the declaration of faith to declare something even before you see it. Now that's faith. Someone somewhere across the country, across the world, they're dealing with their own personal crisis. But these three words, Lord, are for them. It is well. Help them to not only believe it, but to proclaim it and declare it. We thank you for what you are doing.
and what you have already done. And now, Lord, to those who do not yet believe, to those who are in between believing and where they used to be, give them the clarity to see what you're going to do on their behalf. Give them the faith to trust you even though they don't see the evidence yet. Give them the faith to declare it is well. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. And we say right now, call that number. Call that number right now. Listen, before we end this, we invite you to join us in this vision offering. Of course, if you want to be saved, if you need prayer 24-7, you can call that number. Help us build a ministry for the future. Help us do what God has called us to do. This year, we have taken a different approach. For the last five years, we've asked our members to sacrifice $500 so that we could eliminate our debt, our mortgage. We have eliminated the mortgage. And God said to me this year, I need you to trust me by faith. And so God says, no $500 anniversary offering, no special resurrection, no special Pentecost. Ask them for $7 a week. And to those who want to sow more, you can. This wonderful sister from Brooklyn sent $27. Someone a couple weeks ago sent $1,000. Someone a couple weeks before that sent $6,000. Someone before that sent $1. All of it is just as important to the Lord. Because it's trusting God by faith. And I want you to know how appreciative we are to what God is doing. Every penny of that has been saved and put aside uh, for ministry. We've not spent one dime out of any of those funds. We're using them to do what God has said and instructed us to do as it relates to this ministry. And we say thank you. Thank you for trusting God by faith. Now as we prepare for the benediction, we invite you to join us on Tuesday night. Join us on next Sunday. Let me just preface next Sunday's message. The last Sunday was a risk of faith. This Sunday was a declaration of faith. Next Sunday is an act of faith. Amen. Join us and hear what God has to say to us. It is well, it is well. Come on, lift those hands right now. Thank you, praise and worship team. of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit. Rest, rule, and abide with us today, tomorrow, and forevermore. And Lord, as we leave this place and as we perhaps encounter obstacles that are waiting for us on this week, help us to press our way through them and to make a declaration of faith that it is well. This we ask in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, we pray and give thanks. And wherever you are, 
say amen. Send an emoji, send a message, amen. Let us know if you enjoyed the word of God. Send us a message. It is well. Come on over here. It is well. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to both members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you were moved by the message in any way, we hope that you can share it with your family and friends so that we can get the message to the masses. And for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.